Jeff, and welcome to episode 99 of the Game Sharks podcast, where we talk about our favorite thing in the world, video games. And joining me this week is Just Andrew. Hey, yo. And we're in person. Jeff, is this the first episode of the Game Sharks podcast that's just been you and me? Uh, I think so. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird to look you in the eye while we're doing this because yeah, isn't I know because like technically we looked at each other in the eye digitally yeah. before, but now it's pretty wild. Yeah, we always had that slight delay since we started doing it digitally back in what uh, mid twenty twenty. <laughs> oh god, yeah, we've we, been doing that for like a year and a half. Yeah, basically since the start, we were only in person for like three months, if that. No, we did it for longer. I remember mm-hmm. get yeah, I remember getting together around the time when e3 would have happened i think we picked it back up in the summer when covid had a slight dip at the very yeah, beginning. yeah yeah but then we just committed to full time the, fir- the first time that we thought that it was going to end yeah uh anyways we're gonna do our final fantasy tactics uh backlog power outer mini episode with just the two of us here yeah um, it's a mini episode because we played that game like three months ago yeah it's been a while uh it was definitely this year that i finished it i think it was back in january maybe the beginning of february yeah sometime around then but either way it's been so long that not a, it's gonna be a rough one yeah a lot of recollection here yeah um do you want to start with the shark bite yeah what do you got my shark bite is as jeff alluded to my new recording studio slash game room slash basement uh <laughs> i moved recently and part of that move was me setting up a space in my basement to essentially do this and you know record some some youtube videos in the future maybe you know set it up for some twitch streams um get into actually recording gameplay and and messing around with my friends um and then the all the software that i bought and the hardware i have is specifically for recording music so i might try to get into recording some music too who knows um but that is why Jeff and I are able to at last record an episode of the podcast in person again. Yeah. Um, uh, this is definitely the maiden voyage of your new equipment and whatnot. So for sure. This is going to be a, a test run, technically. We did about uh, 45 minutes of troubleshooting before we even started this. This may sound terrible. We think we got it pretty decent. Yeah. It'll probably so. sound a little bit better than Discord calls. Yeah. I think there's a high probability. I don't know. I just heard the the motor on your fridge kick out, and we'll see if that picks up. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we don't know. Point. We can probably unplug it. I don't think there's anything in there. No, don't do that, because then we'll forget. Remember the freezer incident? That's true, but I don't. There's no. We even had a sign that said "plug in the freezer." There's and we no ice in. in there to melt onto my floor. That's true. I don't have any. I don't bad. have any any food at risk of spoiling oh, were no. I to unplug it. There's literally nothing in that, that fridge. That says a lot about your current lifestyle. That's not the fridge upstairs. That's this mini fridge behind oh, you. That's the mini fridge? Yeah. Oh, we can definitely unplug that. Yeah. Whatever. It's too late. We already started. Yeah, that's true. Um, my shark bite is E3. <laughs> they canceled it. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. This year. Um, Derek texted us earlier about it, and uh, we were we kind of asked the question, or I asked the question, is this the end of E3? Is it permanently canceled forever? Will they ever bring E3 back? I think that they will definitely try next year. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was at a point where after two canceled E3s in the last three years that a lot of developers wouldn't want to return to that and have already moved on to their own 
format mm-hmm. or their their own new plans for summer. You know, Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest is seemingly gaining traction every year, just yeah. at the uh, at the precipice that it's happening. Um, and even last year when E3 did happen, a lot of developers that were staples of the conference had already dropped out. So yeah, they did their own thing. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll still get nintendo direct in that time frame we're still gonna get a ton of announcements in that second week of june yeah that's inevitable sure. um i think it was funny because ign also announced their uh summer game no game summer of games they have their own thing where they try they announce a bunch of stuff they get much smaller announcements obviously yeah. um but the same day that e3 announced that they're not happening this year ign made a big post about how they're like we're doing our games our summer game thing <laughs> come to us this year so we'll see how that goes um, maybe they'll get a little bit bigger stuff because e3 is not there to compete anymore yeah um i have a feeling yeah jeff Keighley saying if he does it again is going to be probably the biggest thing the new e3 but we'll see companies might just kind of do their own thing yeah either way i hope that uh the spirit of it is, isn't lost you know yeah um yeah, uh, Derek and I had mentioned it before. We've always grown up watching E3, and it's kind of always been a huge part of my life that second week in June. So it'll be sad to see it go, but we get so many announcements all the time. It's different times. You don't need to do one big thing because everyone yeah. can do whatever they want, whenever they want. Yeah, the gaming ecosystem has evolved so much that so many wild announcements are happening all throughout the year. So yeah. you know, we don't really need the one week in the middle of the year to do it. You know, the Game Awards exist, even if it's overhyped and the awards are sometimes a little lackluster and the announcements themselves are hit or miss. You know, they mm. I think they tease a lot of E3 level announcements that aren't quite there. You know, yeah. it's like they they're kind of out of scope of what they think is actually a worthwhile announcement. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, I think it was two years ago, the Arc 2 trailer yeah one of the one of if not the worst game trailers i've ever seen in my life (laughs) and it was one of their marquee announcements Mm. they were like this you know is gonna change gaming forever or whatever i think last year was like hellblade 2 and like i'm super excited for that game but but it's no breath of the wild 2 yeah it's like when you say like i don't even what was the terminology jeff Keeley used world no no Elden Ring level announcements, isn't that what he oh, said? Oh yeah, he said we have six Elden Ring level announcements, and I would argue there was not a single Elden Ring Elden Ring level announcement. Yeah, not even Elden Ring. No, I think they counted that new Star Wars game. Oh yeah, uh, Eclipse. Eclipse. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, whatever. Um, Either yeah. way, yeah, with the Game Awards and and uh, every every other thing happening across the year, uh, I'm sure that will, <laughs> you know, the the train won't slow down. No. The cult, uh, not culture, but the excitement that always was E3 will be missed. And like just what it was throughout history will be missed, but we don't need it anymore. Yeah. I remember it was always my favorite part of like, because it would always happen, like you said, in the second week of June. So that was always in high school when I was like wrapping up the year. Yeah. So I was, I remember I was on the bus on the way home from school and I went on my phone to watch the most recent the, whatever Nintendo's press conference was that year, and it was the year that Smash for Wii U was... I believe it was 2014. So Smash mm-hmm. for Wii U was coming out at the end of the year, and in their E3 press conference, they announced the three characters that I wanted the least for the game 
which were Pac-Man, uh, uh-huh. Politana, uh-huh. and the Mii Fighters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being so disappointed, but so excited to just watch the Direct just yeah, as a whole. Know. Yeah. You know? Now we get Directs all the time. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. PlayStation game came out in 1997, the same year as Final Fantasy VII. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance for the Game Boy Advance has historically been one of my favorite games of all time. I love the tactics genre. I've talked about this a lot on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is the year of the tactical RPG. Right now, I'm playing Triangle Strategy, which I'm really loving. We got Mario Rabbit sequel. We got the the Marvel's Midnight Suns. uh metal slug tactics there's so many cool tactics didn't uh didn't they just announce a new one too square or no yeah yeah during the state of play the dizio project some some nonsensical yeah but it looked like a cool game for sure Mm. um so yeah tactics games are thriving right now so i figured it was a perfect chance for us to go and play one of the two main pillars of tactics game one being tactics ogre and then the other being final fantasy tactics um so yeah for those who don't know tactics games are think about chess where uh the battles are on a grid of squares and your different units you have characters that can move different distances and use different types of attacks that are either weak or strong against other types of characters and it's about manipulating your pieces around the board into advantageous positions um and abusing your knowledge of how to manipulate your units to defeat your enemies. Yeah, and then just take those chess pieces and give them RPG abilities. Yes, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I love this. It's genre. super cool. It's, yeah, yeah. It's you, there is no speed required in your actions. It's all about putting very deep thought into doing your actions to have the best best possible turn. Yeah, as opposed to playing fighting games or uh, action RPGs where you have to be thinking on the fly and hoping you're making the right decision, whereas you can take yeah, the time and, to make sure you are making the right reacting decision. Reacting and, re- and you know having your reaction be a, a big part of your success. In tactics games, similar to chess, uh, you have to think multiple steps ahead. Yeah. Um, especially in this game, uh, one, of the, one of the things that was a big learning curve for me personally was the cast times on spells because mages are powerful Mm -hmm. or at least they can be um the only problem is you every spell has a cast time and that is entirely dependent on your character's i believe speed and there was two there was two like different speed stats if i recall correctly i think so yeah so there was there your character's uh, spot in the turn order and then you could also haste your character to make you, the cast time of your spells lower um, so sometimes you'd have characters you'd have your mage cast a spell a big area of effect spell on a on a big splotch on the on the map and you know hit it in at the time you went to cast it there would be three or four enemies standing in that spot and by the time the spell actually goes off all three to four of those enemies have moved out of the range and it effective effectively nullifies the effect of your spell yeah um everything i did in this game was a direct comparison to final fantasy tactics advance which is um a direct sequel to this not in story but in the progression of mechanics yeah that mechanic doesn't exist in tactics advance 
okay. when you go to cast a spell, you just do it immediately and it happens. Oh, wow. Uh, which, so that was a steep learning curve for me. Um, this game also just very much throws you into it and the way you level up your jobs is different. So that in this game, mm. you obviously, you have a job system. Uh, you start off with a, only two jobs available to you. Squire, which is just the basic sword user. And then uh, Chemist, which is an item user. And every other job in the game stems off of those two jobs and learning abilities from those jobs. So if you want to become a knight or a monk or a fighter or a ninja or a dragoon, you got to do stuff through um, by starting off as a squire and slowly learning new jobs to acquire the bigger jobs. And then the chemist kind of branches off into magical jobs such as white mage, black mage, summoner, time mage, stuff like that. Um, I... I've thought about it a lot, and I think I like this system of tactics advance job system better. First off, in in this game, there are there's only one race. It's humans. Everyone is a human, and everyone can be any job. Uh, there are two gender-specific jobs, but... Which ones are those? Um, the bard is male only, and the dancer is female only. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, in tactics advance, there are... Four five races there are humans moogles nomus vieras and the alligator one <laughs> i no, can't remember no chocobos no no chocobos um, but you can ride chocobos right the the moogle has a chocobo knight job which is cool it's that's, a knight on a chocobo that's pretty cool um so there are the, a lot of the beginner classes are universal between all the races but then there are very specific jobs that only certain races could be so the viera who's that tall sexy bunny lady race oh is oh yeah um they they can become assassins and that's a job that no one else can have and it's cool they can also be summoners um moogles and nomus can both be time ages but only moogles can be gunners so it's like it's a cooler dynamic and you want to diversify your team to kind of fit these to get the jobs that you want on your team. Um, and in tactics advance as well, uh, in ta- sorry, let's start with in tactics. The way you learn new jobs is um, you have, you go into your job and you have a sheet and that's all the abilities that that job can learn. Um, and they all cost different amounts of JP and you get JP from doing actions during fights. So let's take the, um, who's a good example? The monk, for example. The monk has uh, an attack where he can, or an ability where he can attack from range. The monk has an ability where he can heal himself. The monk has an ability where he can revive allies. He's a very, he ended up being one of my favorite classes. He's very versatile. Um, But you could just save up your JP until you could earn and unlock whatever abilities you wanted. So it felt arbitrary to me to unlock the first skill for 100 JP when it's something I don't ever want to u- actually use because it's not very good. So I would I would save up all my job points and not really do anything until I lo- unlocked one good ability. Yeah. Um, so that it felt a little bit clunky. Whereas in Tactics Advance, your abilities are linked to the items you equip. So th- say you are um, a monk, or let's go with a white mage. That's easy. Say you are a white mage. Mm-hmm. The first staff that you get teaches cure. And you need to get, with that staff equipped, 200 JP to maximum or to permanently un- learn permanently cure. learn cure. Gotcha. Then you can equip another weapon, and then still have cure, and then start working towards knowing Asuna. Kind of like um, Cloud's weapons in Seven Remake. 
Yes, exactly. So I felt like that approach to it made it so that you were more, you got those earlier, you were forced to get those earlier abilities, which you might not want to get in traditional tactics. Um, and it kind of scales you up to using those bigger, cooler abilities. And when you unlock a new weapon, it's exciting because there's an ability attached to it along with the stats. Um, and then certain ones, certain items and weapons would like say it was a rod. It's like, this would teach fire to a black mage, but it would teach haste to a time mage. And it would also teach, I don't know, some other random spell to the beast master. Uh, so it was a really cool concept that, uh, I think I just ended up liking more. Um, but overall I still did like the job system. The cool thing about the final fantasy tactics game is the level of customization you can do with your characters, which is super cool. Um, I'm playing Triangle Strategy right now, and Fire Emblem is also kind of a part of this where you get a unit, a named unit, and that unit is that thing, and you can't change it. Like um, in Triangle Strategy, there is this guy, Benedict, and he is an advisor. He's a support character, and he can learn support abilities, and that is it. That's all he can do, which it's cool to – and then you get a lot of cool units, and you pick and choose your units, but you can't really – break that game the level that you can break final fantasy tactics (laughs) yeah there were a couple of strategies i learned about very early on that essentially carried me through the entire game Mm -hmm. because i uh if you've listened to the podcast a long time you know i am not i'm not good at final fantasies and i'm not good at tactics games so this was a double undertaking for me to actually play uh and and beat and uh, i will say off the bat that i did beat this game with my own two hands mm-hmm. and it is besides final fantasy 15 which some would argue falls a little bit outside the realm of you know the classic final fantasy this is the first final fantasy game i've ever beaten legitimately yeah you know i have technically rolled credits on seven but i it was through using the uh switch port emulation uh limit mode on always <laughs> so you're just always mode. using your best tactics. yeah because I'll say it again just for, you know, posterity, but every Final Fantasy game I've ever played, besides 15, I have played and done fine, I think, up until a certain point, playing it like a very standard JRPG, kind of, I guess, playing it like a Pokemon game Mm -hmm. is the best way I could describe it, you know, like, I had a a fairly decent understanding on the grass, on the, of the game's mechanics, um, but I would always just reach a wall. At a certain point, I think in Final Fantasy VII, the boss was a literal wall. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the 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 dude like the skeleton thing popping out of yes. the wall. Yeah, yeah, and I that happened. At what point that happens? Actually, I don't think I couldn't beat that boss. I think what happened is I was fighting him, and the game crashed and set me oh, back no. two hours. Oh, and I was like, a, yeah. "Fuck this!" Uh, but every Final Fantasy game I've ever played, I just reach a point where I cannot progress. It happened when I played 4, it happened when I played 7, it happened when I played 10, it happened when I played 7 Remake even, where I got all the way to the final boss on normal and then couldn't beat him, so I turned it down to easy. Yeah, I mean, you've got almost all the way through that. A lot of people do that these days. As yeah. well. Once they kind of hit a bit of a wall, they'll just turn the difficulty down because it's like, what do you, you got to prove to anyone, you know? Yeah, exactly. But I did beat uh, Tactics all the way through on i don't think there's a difficulty setting in this game um no i think it so, just is yeah which 
Yeah. Kind of leads me into one of the, I think, big talking points about the game, which is its accessibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, low. It's very low accessible <laughs> game. There is a tutorial in the beginning of the game, but it is dense and long. It like there's so much information in it, and it takes a long time to get through well, it. Well, it's just menus. You have That's to go true. in and select and read everything. It's not teaching you also the true. game through playing it. You, ha- if you wanna learn the systems of this game, it takes an hour of reading and going through menus. Yeah, which sucks which is unfortunately like necessary there are things i was probably not even doing until halfway through the game you know things i wasn't realizing that i could be doing um and the the customizability of the class of the job system is the perfect example of that because there was a lot of uh, like and this isn't necessarily me on not understanding the mechanics but it was just like if i had a better grasp of of like what i was doing as a whole from the get-go then i would have had a much easier time i was essentially funneling jp into a completely useless job that i wasn't using at all and i was just doing for the sake of it because i was like i don't like i i don't know what else to to put this guy on right now yeah. and when in reality like i could have been doing could have been working towards something else you liked yeah and i think that's a big point of contention for for some people for this game because if you don't know what you're doing at the start, you could end up reaching a point in the game where you've wasted the last twenty hours yeah. and you can't go back to there, a certain to like to a point where you can fix that. There are a lot of really dumb, unnecessary systems in this game. The whole astrological sign system. Oh, uh, so compatibility. They try to explain it to you, and it still doesn't make any sense. We watched a video from um, a podcast we like, Resonant Arc where they were kind of going over this game through a series of episodes and the the guy Mike uh put out a video saying, "Hey, these are my tips yeah for when you're starting Final Fantasy Tactics cuz it's a hard game to start." And one of the tips was to when you start the game, you have to declare the birthday for your main character Ramza. Um and he basically this guy Mike said, "Make Ramza January so he's an Aries. I, an Aries. I, I don't know the astrological signs very well. And he's a, like, maybe and then Aquarius, go yeah. and release all, as soon as you can, release all of your units yeah. and get three units, two girls who are Scorpios because that's compatible with Ramza. And then, so, and yeah, it's dumb. So certain signs will, you'll be effective against if it's an enemy or you'll do deal extra damage against and then your teammates can heal you if your signs are compatible and there are yeah, 12 zodiac like, signs it has a major effect on the percent chance of success of spells which is dumb so dumb missing uh a raise spell on my ally that's on the ground and not moving shouldn't be a thing i don't think that's yeah. a thing in the advanced games your your spells you use on your allies have a hundred percent success rate which it always should the idea i mean that sums from D D and traditional rpgs yeah where it's like I am willing. I am willing and allowing you to use this spell on me. It yeah. should always work. That's like it's like telling it's like the DM telling you, "Hey, the enemy is prone and laying on the ground and not fighting you. Roll an attack. Oh, that's a that's a fifteen to AC. Yeah, that misses. Yeah, it's but it's even different because like I can understand an enemy laying on the ground is still going to try its hardest to not get hit by your attack. If I am your ally who is hurt, <laughs> there is no world where I'm going to do anything to pr- try to prevent this from happening. So the fact yeah. that it's got like a 70% chance success rate to heal or 
raise people and beyond success beyond success rate of abilities it also affects the amount of damage you do to enemies because enemies all have astrological signs as well and bosses so you can get hard stuck on a boss just because your astrological sign yeah just because this this option that you picked and probably didn't know its significance 30 hours ago like like just completely bones you for the rest of the game and it's just something that a new player is not going to think about unless you've spent the hour to two hours to research and familiarize yourself with the systems which i think is really only something that a 1997 you know (laughs) ps1 jrpg would do yeah i mean final fantasy 7 didn't have these extra arbitrary mechanics in it it was much more refined in that manner that's it's also a completely different game yeah but it's got the final fantasy name so it's easy to compare to yeah um so yeah that that mechanic was dumb Um, yeah that being said like you, like you were saying, the customization of jobs once you do understand is awesome. It's so cool because there's just so many different combinations of skills that you can that you can bring with you between classes. Uh, the way it works is that you essentially have each job has its own specific menu of skills. And you can have two of those menus equipped at any time. One has to be the job you have currently equipped, and the other can be any other job. And with it, you can use any ability that you learned with that job. So you can be a monk again, for example, uh, and your first ability, your first ability menu is martial arts, and that will give you all of the monk abilities that you have learned. Uh, and then the second menu can be. Whatever you want, whatever you have equipped. So your monk can can have white mage spells equipped and have and be like kind of a secondary healer, or it can be uh, an archer. And what it what you can do with that is use the aim spells to increase the amount of I believe damage that yeah. you do with your next attack. Um, so that could be a, a broken combination, or you can do time mage and haste yourself and slow enemies and stuff like that. Or I think the the what I did with or to get into maybe some of the more nuts broken stuff what you had told me about that i didn't think about was uh the the ninja class has a dual wield ability Mm -hmm. so the ninja class dual wields by default but in order to you can unlock through most of the classes most of the classes have a specific weapon type available to that class and that class only but you can unlock a passive option to apply that weapon type to any of your jobs and so you can do the same thing with ninjas you can unlock the ability to dual wield on any class which means you can dual wield bare fists on monks because monk monk bare fists do like a shit ton of damage yeah so that's what i ended up doing eventually is having ramza dual wield fists the opposite also works too whereas if you teach a ninja the brawler actually i think that's that's what i did instead yeah then they you can be a ninja who doesn't have to use weapons so as long as you're brave stat is high enough you're going to be punching people for insane money so i had a ninja i had both i had a ninja that was a brawler and i had a, a monk with the dual wield ability and they both yeah. were just insane amounts of damage. so yeah like you're saying it's fun to break this game once you understand the systems and put the time into it yeah. but that barrier to entry is very very high and the only problem with that is that even unlocking all of these specific jobs takes a lot of time and understanding of the paths to get those jobs because a lot of jobs like ninja we were just saying requires you to reach a certain job level in four other jobs yeah you know you need to reach like level three level five monk and then a subclass of monk 
level of like three geomancer. Yeah, you have right? to do geomancer. You have to archer, get like level thief. yeah, like level four archer, level level five thief. five thief, and then like level two something else. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, but then once but you do, the later game you unlock jobs, ninja. So. Yeah, and the only tricky thing about all of this is the is the time it takes to grind that out and the uh kind of ramifications that will have on the game as a whole because the game and the game's enemies scale with Ramza's level. Yes. And not your not your party's levels cuz each character has their own individual levels like most JRPGs. Um but this game has permadeath. Yes. So if you play kind, like kind of Yeah, so once so to explain that it once your character is downed in combat they have this tick, this like they stay clock in the turn cycle above their head. Yeah. So once their turn passes, this this uh, countdown essentially that starts at three will go down, and it'll go three, two, one, zero, and then after z- after the zero round, your character dies permanently. So you mm-hmm. essentially have four full turn cycles to revive your ally, which again makes it bullshit that your revive spells can miss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so technically, through that, there is permadeath in the game. Um, which means that if you were theoretically playing the game normally, quote unquote, mm. because a new player, like we said, won't know to do what we did, which is only have a select party of Ramza and three other people. Yeah. Because, spoiler alert, every battle in this game has a maximum party size of five people. And most of the times that's going to be your four characters and, and a guest, guest character. Um but the game gives you a maximum roster size of, I think, 16 or 24 if you're playing War of the Lions, mm-hmm. which is what I – we both played War of the Lions, yep, right? Yeah, on PSP. Yeah. Um, and we'll say right up – we didn't mention this before, but the reason that we initially stopped playing this for, for Backlog was because we could not play it on the phone. The mobile version was tough. Yeah. Um, now that I understand the game, it could probably be easier, but just the touch controls were not fun to try to do. Yeah, just having a, a like a real controller and buttons in my hand felt so much better. I agree. Um, not be and the other problem for me is because my phone has a pretty shitty battery. So yeah, I was it, playing on a Chromebook and it's, it was still it just wasn't what I wanted to be yeah. doing. So we we ended up playing on PSP, which is a big difference maker. Um, but. So back to the point, a lot of people will probably play with a normal roster of like 12 plus people because the game gives you new guest recruit characters throughout the story and you can go to the barracks at any time and recruit new random people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these random people have random genders and brave, bravery and faith stats uh, and astrological signs. So all of those characters, like if your character dies and you go recruit a new party member, they could just be total ass, and you might not even know. Yeah, and they, know? they won't have the jobs. Yeah, that you'll have to level got. them up from scratch. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough in that regard. Um, this game is brutal. You said that the game scales with Rams's level, but only non-main missions. So any like That's random true. encounters you do or side missions. So you can get really strong and be struggling to fight a pack of wolves that you happen to run into while going to the main mission. And then you go to the main mission, but your your party's so over leveled, and those main fights don't scale that you'll just win them instantly. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah the scaling in this game is a bit weird it's definitely this game showed its age while we were playing it it was definitely made for sure (laughs) back in 1997 um but it's still really charming and cool and the depth of the system once you put in the time to understand it uh, is very rewarding uh sorry were you I was just—I was going to move on to talk about the story. Oh, that's kind of where I was at too. Okay, but you—we both just stopped. just stopped and stared at each other. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we got to relearn how to do this. Um. So yeah, the story in this game is really cool. Yeah, it's, it's one of uh, the cooler video game stories I've seen in a while. I I agree. However, similar to the mechanics, it took me a little while to really fully understand what was happening yeah because the way that the game is translated is this is in this old shakespearean old timey english like way of speaking this dialect that like doesn't really exist anymore so the way that the sentences are structured and the specific wording that they use can make it really hard to understand what the characters are saying yes so there were probably more like plot twists and and plot events that i would like that were lost on me that i only realized their impact and significance after the fact um but even after but even after that are still really cool Mm. um this game is keyword soup proper noun soup (laughs) it just throws so many uh, people's names and places and countries at you oh yeah it's it is tough to remember and distinguish all of them. There are a lot of naming conventions, especially within families where the names are only a couple letters off. I am having trouble remembering any of the names except for people like Ramza and Delita, mm-hmm. who are arguably the, the two, two main, main characters. characters because their, their names are Floffin Snarf. Yeah. It's like, and then his uh, brother would be Floffin Farf. And it's just like, how am I supposed to distinguish these two people? Yeah. Dice Darg. Like, oh, Dice Darg. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, the names were tough to remember. Um, and they're spelled wild, too. Yes. Like, everyone everyone listening to this, I would like you to, off the top of your head, try and spell Dysadarg, and you're going to be wrong. I can't even remember. D-E-C-Y. I think it's like, no, it's like D-Y. It starts with the Y? I yeah. thought the Y was in the middle. I don't fucking know, I dude. it was D-E-C-Y-D-A-R-G. I don't fucking remember. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, But the, all this stuff gets thrown at you really early, and I did a little bit of research on the side, and watching... um. That show we had mentioned previously, Resonant Arc, their series on Final Fantasy Tactics, really helped break down and understand the story. And once you have a better grasp on what's going on, it is really cool. It's a political Mm. drama. There are warring kingdoms. There is um, murder of royal family members and Mm -hmm. passing down thrones and who's going to... It is a Game of Thrones, kind of. Yeah, basically. The main gist is that um a king of a kingdom dies and these political figures are pushing these two were they dukes um to be each one to become the new king um one of them was the the white lion and one of them was the black lion yeah that's why the subtitle of the game the psp one is war of the lions um and then there becomes a third party i guess we, we we spoil things in these basically yeah. the church is the main bad guy in the end and, Surprise. Ma- and manipulating everything and is actually being possessed by demons because the church was trying to achieve a higher power and then you know demons that's how it all goes yeah um but yeah i really liked where it went the back and forth between the characters were all really cool and really well written 
very precise. Uh, one of the problems that triangle strategy has is everything is very drawn off. They're drawn out. There's a lot of talking in that game and it can get really tough. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like the final fantasy tactics was edited down perfectly to give you the perfect amount of information and the perfect amount of time to make the story flow in a way that not a lot of games achieve these days. Yeah. But even then I wish it was, I, I wish we could get like a modern translation yeah. of it so that I could better understand it. Yeah. Uh, but the thing, but still after once you do the research and I think something I, I had, I just thought of too, is that it, it is very replic replicative of its time where this game probably came with some kind of instruction booklet, oh, which yeah. explains some of this kind of stuff, not only the story, but the mechanics yeah, you know, I mean, like I said before, there's those tutorial menus in the beginning. Yeah, not only do they explain all the mechanics, but there are pages and pages of backstory on people and places and previous wars that led up to where yeah. the the kingdom is going into this game. So all of that stuff is there. You just have to put in the time to read it, and it is a tough read because of all the crazy proper names. Oh, for sure. And the structure. This game whole game is structured. It's being narrated by a guy way 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 in the That's future right, yeah who discovered these papers that basically explain how um the main character ramza was labeled he was forgotten to time um and these papers show that he is actually the true hero of this war because he brought an end to the lukavi who are these demons who yeah. overtook the church uh, whereas the church branded him as a heretic and basically was forgotten to time so it's it's told through this yeah because cool third party perspective because the whole game as we said is all like royal family shit and the mm-hmm. one main royal family is the Beolves, mm-hmm. which ramza is a son of he's, he's part of the Beolf family so he is he is of royal lineage he's not next in line for the throne no he's a bastard yeah but he is seemingly the only truly good-natured person of the royal family so he is going around and trying to actually help, you know, the world and help uh, the people. So and his dad was also a very good natured person. Yeah. And his sister is as well. But his sister is, I think, younger than him. I think his sister's full blood to him. But his two older brothers. Yes. His two older brothers, one who is in line to become king and the other one who's the head of the militia or whatever. Um, yeah. They Larg. Are, yeah. Dice Darg and Larg. I think it's Larg. Yeah. Um, their names are so bad. Um, but they are they are the ones who are up to no good in House Beowulf, who's traditionally an honorable house. Um, you find out that the one of the sons murdered the father. But when the other son finds that out, he kind of flips and then sides with Ramza and is like, oh, man, yeah, we can't be killing our family for this shit. Um, and, yeah, it's there's a lot of the political and family drama twists and turns throughout the mm. whole thing. Yeah, but I think so, it is very, done very yeah, well. Yeah, but since Ramza is part of the Bayol family, everybody he meets is like, "You're a Bayol, you good for nothing piece of shit." Yeah. But but Ramza's like, "No, I like I like I don't know about any of that stuff. I genuinely want to help, you know." Yeah. So not only is uh, it's it's easy to believe that he would be forgotten or written off not only by the church but also by people because they don't they don't fully you know grasp the nature of of his of his doings. He's mm-hmm. They think he's just, you know, exploiting people, but yeah. 
Um, he's, he's doing good. I do think that Delita was probably the most interesting character. Oh, for sure. He was. He's Ramza's best friend. He is not of noble blood, but Ramza's father made a special. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? A special request for Delita to join the the night school that Ramza attends. So then they become best friends, and Delita's kind of there to help guide Ramza. Uh, basically as like a yeah a i thought he was like his... i thought he was like the adopted son no he wasn't an adopted son um i forgot who his lineage was but yeah he just kind of he lives in the castle with them he does everything with ramza because the king because ramza got along with him and he's right. like here's your buddy go live your life son with your best friend all the time and then delita starts to get into some really insane classist schemes his sister just murdered in front of him by a dude who's like the worst I, yeah i forgot his name um but he's just like i am royal blood wasn't it algus or algas Algus, yeah Alg- that, i think it was it might change depending on the translation it does version yeah um but he's just kind of like oh, yeah you, i'm royal blood i'm not as royal as ramza but i'm higher than you on the chain so fuck you and i'm gonna kill your sister because know yeah, your place this guy's like a very elitist very yeah. like you said classist um yeah so that kind of sends delita off the deep end you think delita dies the game actually has a time jump. You start yeah. uh, a battle basically in the middle of the game, and then which I it took me a bit to realize that's what happened. Me too. I I I was like because the beginning, like you said, the opening scene is you is Ramza and he's some like, of the Delita, knights. You're alive. Yeah, he's like some of the knights at a church. They're rescuing the princess, mm-hmm. um, and Delita. Yeah, he shows up on a chocobo, and Ramza's like, Delita lived. And then I'm like, okay, cool. And then it in the next scene, you're just ne- hanging out with Delita in a cafeteria. Yeah, at the and I was like, okay, so this happens right after, you know, he just found his friend or some bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but it took, it, like you said, it took me a while to realize, oh, this is all happening in the past. Yes. Um, but yeah, Delita has a really cool arc where you never really know what his motives are. He seems to just slowly be manipulating everyone. He'll just show up into a king's courtroom and point at a dude and said. And just be like, you are betraying your king and stab him and murder him in front of that. It's, well, not the king, whatever, dukes and whatever. And the dukes are like, well, shit. All right. You can run my army now. Cool guy who just ran in and killed my general. Yeah. Um. So he kind of manipulates and weaves his way into power. And by the end of the game, becomes the king of it all. Uh, which yeah, which is kind of a, his goal. Kind of a wild. I, I don't even know if it was his goal. I think it just ended up like he just put himself in that situation by slowly weaseling his way up the food chain yeah um and the reason that that happens too is i I feel like it's almost also a like just a case of the next available option because against you know big spoilers the final boss of this game is ramza and his friends uh fighting basically going to hell the demon god essentially like the princess is a vessel for the ultimate lukavi or whatever mm-hmm. um i forget her name but it sounds like jesus i don't remember what it was yeah i don't i can't remember but basically you fight this giant demon uh and in order to defeat that demon they blow up the airship that they're on they're in like a graveyard of ships or something like that either way ramza and everybody else dies yeah during that battle allegedly Apparently there was some some hidden context in the last scene where they're like visiting Ramza's grave there where they elude that like Ramza and his sister lived and just went off 
to do something else. Yeah. Like they lived in anonymity. Yeah, I, I think it's left up for interpretation whether they escaped and that was actually them running by their graves or yeah. if it like was just an illusion that Delita saw or whatever. Um, no, it wasn't Delita. Who was the guy at the grave? The guy who wrote the book, uh, yeah, the papers. It was, uh, the I don't know, the like the, the priest. Yeah, I can't remember. The, the, um, it was like the son of the... The orator. It begins with a D. Yeah. The... the no, the something papers. I don't remember. Anyways, yeah. So yeah. it's left up to interpretation whether they actually survived or not. I don't think I ever actually answer it, but it do, it's not important. It doesn't matter. If yeah, they it's like a, it's it's a. I think it's a really interesting note to leave the story on. You know. Yeah. But then I think it's a. Is it a War of the Lions only scene? The and the kind of like epilogue, the post epilogical scene. scene? I, I think it's in the original game. Either way, so the basically those papers come out. Like the the papers get released, yeah, and the princess who is now Delita's wife, yes, uh, or the queen now, uh, like confronts Delita about this and w- like essentially learned that Delita did a bunch of stuff. Again, my memory on all of this yeah, is no. extremely so, foggy. So the I papers aren't. Two re- months so ago. what's his face? The guy who's writing the papers, which is again. This whole story is being told years and years and years in the future by a dude who ends up being a descendant of the guy who wrote the papers. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, the guy who wrote the papers presented them to the church. The church murdered him. That's true. And yeah. hid the papers away forever. I think Alma, the sister, yeah, just finds out about everything. I don't know how she finds it out, but she basically calls out Delita and says, "You just manipulated and killed everyone until you got what you wanted, and and what's stopping you from killing me?" And then I think he goes to embrace her with a hug and she stabs him. Yeah. So then he like does the only thing like that. He like, he does the thing that's the most true to his nature and he just takes the knife and stabs her back. Yeah. And it, so then I, I think they both die, right? We don't know again. Yeah, it's another left, thing where it leaves it. We don't know. I think it's assumed she dies cause she immediately collapses to the floor. And right. Is that I think there's a pool of blood around her, but Delita kind of hobbles away and he said, is this, Something along the lines of, this is not what you thought would happen, Ramza. Uh, yeah. He kind of is talking to the ghost of Ramza, or he's just, like, shouting at the skies. Like, in the end, you got what you wanted, Ramza. And, like, Ramza basically won in the end. Yeah. Um, and, and they don't show him... Uh, does he collapse? I don't remember. And they never really confirm if Delita dies or if he goes on and lives in misery for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's really cool. It, I like that it leaves a lot for interpretation at the end kind of because it's not important those things uh it's more the point of um ramza made this sacrifice uh and no one's ever going to see him again because if he shows his face then it's just going to cause problems so he is whether he's alive or dead is removed from the world and delita whether he survives or lives that has nothing left um he basically killed and murdered everyone he cared about or had relationships with to get to become king and now he has nothing yeah essentially to prove a point yeah um so yeah it's a really cool game i really like it it's absolutely it's tough it didn't age well but if you take the time to really get into it it's definitely really rewarding um yeah but it's but taking the time ahead of time yeah you know like just learning as you go i don't think is a good thing because i was learning the game pretty well and then i got to a boss that i just for the life of me could not beat had to go back and relearn like i had to go back essentially two or three save points because there's a couple moments in the game where there are these gauntlet-esque 
battles mm-hmm. where it's like you enter the the overworld map is this series of like bullet point locations on on that map and it you can move across them like you would a, a board game or traditional like level based game uh and once you select that level you enter the battle in that location and certain locations as part of the story have three to four battles in a row that you cannot exit out to the world map mm-hmm. yet which means you cannot access your menu you cannot change your party makeup you cannot change your jobs or level up jobs you can do that stuff. You can, but you can do it but all in between screens from those battles yes so like you can't go and get stronger somewhere it's yeah if you have a single save file and you saved in between fights of a gauntlet you could completely ruin your save if you are under leveled and just cannot win the fight you'd have yeah. to start the game over yeah which is like almost what i had to what i had to do because i was at a point where I didn't I technically didn't screw myself because I was able to go back out to the main world on a previous save and, you know, train up and get the correct skills that I needed in order to beat the boss, but it was at a it was like so far back that I didn't want to do it just out of the prospect of losing the that hour or two of gameplay. Um but I you know, eventually like I couldn't beat the boss, so I just ended up going and doing it. Yeah. Um and that happens a couple of times in the game. And that's it's it's pretty uh it it goes to extremes on either end though because you have that but then you also have some of the late game fights that are just complete pushovers. Yeah, well, you get final, to a point where yeah you beat the final boss in a single punch. Yeah, not said. not even a single. It was a single round. The boss yeah. never touched me. Um, I didn't take any damage from anybody. Ramza did like eight hundred damage per punch mm-hmm. with his dual wheel fists. Gafgarian is one of the no uh, Sid. I thought those were the same person. No. Gafgarian is the row or he's the the sword for hire. Well, the, the guy named Sid has a, has another name. Yeah, the Thunder God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He has like a like a different name. I don't think so. Either way, there's a guest character you get at the end of the game whose nickname is Sid, which is cool. Uh and he's absolutely busted. Yeah, he he breaks the game. Yeah, cuz the cuz him and missions. Arge- like Argarius or whoever, one of the other guest characters that I used a lot. The female knight? Yeah, yeah. they have their own special class called like, like, like... I think she was a holy knight. Yeah, holy knight is their class. Is he also a holy yeah, knight? Yeah, they're both holy knights. Or maybe he's he's like a variation of it. Either way, yeah. they all have the same like sword skills you that are crazy. ranged, yeah. 100% accuracy, and do like have these stupid effects. One of them has a percent chance of... KOing, mm-hmm. like w- no matter how much damage you do. Yeah. Um, those characters were nuts and made some of the later game battles um, really easy. Yeah. And that goes again to the whole scaling part of the game where it scales entirely poorly. Sidolphus Orlando. Yeah, Orlando. That's or his last Orlando. Name. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. His first name is just Sid. Sidolphus. It's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I've put a lot of thought into it, and I think what I'm comparing this game to Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, and I think what I've decided is that I very much like the story of this game more. Mm-hmm. The story of Tactics Advance is much more whimsical. Um, it doesn't. The, tactics starts with the political interfamily, intercountry drama, and then turns into more of a magical space enemy monster thing yeah because you get into the stuff with the zodiac stones yeah 
Um, whereas the story of Tactics Advance is much more, not childish, but not as deep, not as uh, interesting. It's simpler. Um, so I like the story of Tactics more. But I think I definitively like the gameplay mechanics of Tactics Advance more. I think it's much more streamlined and more interesting. You can still customize and break like you could in mm-hmm. in Tactics, but it it scales up better. It teaches you along the way better, uh, and it just it just feels more modern, more approachable. Which, it's much more approachable. Um, I do want to replay Tactics Advance maybe sometime this summer when when the game releases are slow. Um, just to kind of compare having played tactics so recently. Yeah. But I think that's kind of where I stand. And when it comes down to it, gameplay and mechanics are more important to me. So I, I talked about whether I was going to replace tactics advance, which is in my top five games of all time with tactics. And I don't think I'm going to, I think I'm going to leave tactics advance in the top five of my cool. favorite games ever. Cause I think, uh, I just like the mechanics of it better. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, why not both, you know? Just put both of them up there. Just a collective Final Fantasy Tactics plus Advance. Well, I was going to say, like, just bump one out of your top five and say... A different game? Yeah, you know. There's no way. I, it's weird because... There's no way. When I think about that kind of thing, I yeah. it's, it's, it's weird to me because the notion you're describing is almost like your top five games have designated slots to them yeah. where it's like, this is my tactics game slot and this is like my number one is my childhood jrpg slot right where it's like Mm -hmm. to me it's like i think about it both ways where i'm almost the same way where i feel weird having two zelda games in my top 10 games of all time uh i but i also i'm like no because i love those games like holistically for different reasons Mm. and just because one game is different than the, than the other one doesn't mean I should, like, it kicks one of them out arbitrarily, you know? Yeah. So, I don't think I am doing that, though. Because I didn't, I didn't go in saying, like, one of these games is going to be on this list. Right. Um, th- I would never put just tactics on my list because it's story so good. I think it's mechanics do suffer enough where it's not as cool as well, I guess, the other games. I guess my, my question list. then becomes if you replace mm-hmm. Tactics Advanced on your top five games of all time list yeah. with Tactics 1, mm-hmm. then where does Advanced go on that list? I wouldn't replace it. There's no world where I would replace it. But I think I'm saying hypothetically. Oh, well, Tactics Advanced would go up. Okay. Yeah. Well, because, <laughs> well, because you kept saying that that you were gonna see if this would take the place of advanced in your top five games. Yeah. So if that were to happen, oh, I see what you're saying. Where would advanced go on your list of games of all time? Right now, I think it's four. Right, but if tactics were to take the place of advanced, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. It's like, it's like, does it it's not like exist on the your, list your at all? Does it go down or, to five? It's like saying your two favorite food. Like if you had a list of your favorite foods. If one of them is pancakes and one of them is pumpkin pancakes, you're still fucking eating pancakes, you know? Yeah. I don't want to have pancakes on my top five favorite food list twice. Final Fantasy Tactics and Final Fantasy Tactics Advance are both Final Fantasy Tactics games. Yeah. And they're so similar that putting them both there would be pointless. 
Yeah, it's like it's like if you have your entire if your favorite Pokemon if your favorite franchise is Pokemon, mm. and you're like, oh well, my top five favorite games are Pokemon Heart Gold, Pokemon Platinum, Pokemon Sword. Yeah, but like, and it's like, okay, well, then why can't you just say Pokemon is my favorite game at number one? Like, it's this it's yeah. this weird series. distinction, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid to put multiple games from the same series. I I have two Final Fantasy games in my top ten. One is a tactics game, and one is final fantasy 7 but they're both final fantasy games yeah uh i have two jrpgs so it's not like i have a jrpg slot yeah no i just i and i get that and but and and most games i think are different enough to warrant you having multiple of them in your Mm -hmm. top like because what are your what are those two final fantasy games seven and tactics Tactics Advance. advance Yeah, like those two games are completely different games for reasons entirely and even find the numbered final fantasy games like you can have seven and six in there for totally different reasons yeah you know um those games are different enough where i wouldn't even question you having them both up there mm-hmm. but i guess it's just the notion of saying oh this game that i just played for the first time is going to replace the, a game i've loved my whole life it, yeah. my, it, like the the way that i picture that in my brain is like tactics goes up and advance just disappears from the list you yeah know? and that's probably what if i liked this game more that's what i would have done because it's like okay cool i'm then i'm kicking if like you're talking about your top 10 lists like i would rather have my current number 10 game there as a discussion point because like what's the point of top 10 lists if not to talk about other people with them you get excited about your favorite games you want to talk to other that's people true about yeah them. it's like yeah i can have my personal list where like you're d- like they're they're true to your game. heart list like, like my I- favorite foods are pizza bagel bites hot pocket it's like but i'm not gonna talk to someone about that you know yeah it's like oh, i really like pizza it's like you're a less interesting person if all of your favorite games are Final Fantasy yeah, Tactics, that's Final why Fantasy Tactics Advance, Final Fantasy Tactics A2. I, I really I do respect people who have top ten games lists where their top ten games are some collection of like Apex Legends, Call of Duty, Fortnite, League yeah. of Legends, Overwatch, Minecraft, uh maybe Super Smash Bros. You know, mm. all of these Multiplayer games, because that is a big part of the gaming sphere nowadays is like, you know, multiplayer competitive gaming is an entirely separate and valid way of experiencing games. But to me, putting those games on my top 10 list doesn't, it, that's not what I play video games for. Yeah. I play those ga- those games and enjoy them for a completely separate reason. But when I'm talking about like the games that I love, I look at them, I look at games more as an art form, you know, in that mm. case. So to me, putting those games on a top 10 list isn't that interesting because it's like okay well yeah i love shooting the shit and playing fortnite with the boys too yeah but i'm not gonna ta- i'm not gonna say that to a person i'm i'm trying to like have a conversation, have a conversation with i'm gonna say yeah. earthbound is one of the most creative and unique jrpgs of all time and you should play it you know yeah i uh, yeah i totally we're on the same page here um yeah i I don't necessarily have slots where it's like this has to my childhood game favorite game has to be somewhere on this list. I do I like my the games on my top 10 to have some sort of distinction and uniqueness to each of them. Like I don't I don't even think I have a Pokemon game on my top 10 list, but uh like I don't know. My favorite pl- I'm not a huge platformer fan, but Celeste yeah. is in my top 10 because that game is incredible. Shovelite's in mine. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's top ten lists are interesting. People can do whatever they want. There are no yeah, rules mine's for, constantly changing. Yeah, I Shovel Knight, been, like I just said, Shovel Knight's in it. Shovel Knight wasn't in it two months ago. Yeah, know? um, we've been playing Elden Ring, and 
all it's made me really want to do is play Breath of the Wild. And I've, <laughs> I've been reflecting on my experience with Breath of the Wild, which I haven't played since it came out in 2017 um, in a way that I haven't. Yeah, I have been reflecting on it in a way that I haven't it, since I played it because it's been five years at this point. And now I'm like, man, that might be my top 10 favorite games of all time. It was for me for a while. It's still yeah. one of my favorite. It's weird because I feel much differently about games in the moment versus in retrospect. Yeah. I like going like looking back on my time playing Breath of the Wild. That game was an anomaly in that I was so entranced by everything it was doing. Mm-hmm. Like most people are right now with Elden Ring. I put 130 hours into it without blinking an eye, you know? Yeah. Like I it, it was just so it, it, there's a term for it. It went down so easy. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I absolutely love that game. But when I look back on it and I'm like, no, it's not in my top 10. Mm-hmm. I just don't have that same emotional connection with it that I do the other games in my list. You know, yeah. there are other games that have blown my mind in a certain way. And it's kind of the same thing I mentioned earlier. Like my two favorite Zelda games are Majora's Mask and Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. And it's just because I have a stronger emotional uh, mental and emotional connection with those games i like the 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 themes of those games more the aesthetics the like you know minute paraphernalia that's associated with those games like just the majora's mask itself the logo essentially of the game is just so interesting to me that Mm. even that elevates that game to such a high level um so even with that in mind with those two games on my list I'm like, well, I don't want to have three Zelda games in my top yeah, ten. and that's fair. Um, I think there are only two games on my list that as soon as I beat them, I moved them up to. And I don't know how this Final Fantasy Tactics episode uh, transitioned into just talking about top ten lists. It's because, just interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's um, the first time we've uh, really done a podcast in a while. Yeah. Um, the only two games that I can think of in recent memory that... I finished them and immediately went on to my top 10 list were Hollow Knight and Persona 5 Royal. Yeah. Um, For me, it was Dark Souls mm-hmm. and to my second time playing Hyper Light Drifter. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, I like to take the time to reflect on the games and think fondly of my experience with them and then decide, oh yeah, no, that should, that is one of my favorite games of all time. That is one of my top 10 favorite games ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's hard to, it's just hard to pin down. Games are so good nowadays they are so good and that's why we love them you know i've just i've thought about it a lot and my six through ten constantly changes yeah you know sometime last year when we did my episode on my top five games and you know i shocked you all by not having earthbound in there at all which you had talked about as your number one for a while yeah it was tied with wind waker for a while now like wind waker and hollow knight are tied uh basically like i love them for different reasons but it's really hard and now like earthbound i still love that game like it's so infinitesimal the difference between all of them mm-hmm. uh earthbound is at like six or seven i think now but it's like and now i've moved like the more i the longer i think about it the less the, like I, th- I think i moved persona out of my maybe i think out of the top 10 entirely i love, persona I love it but the, like when i think about it i'm just like i just i look back a little more fondly on certain games like almost the idea of what the game is doing is more enticing to me than my recent experience with the game i wonder if you'd played royal initially instead of just persona 5 that would have stayed or been higher or you would i don't know i think i would appreciate royal more having played the original first you know like if i i wouldn't know how much better royal is that if i didn't know about what if it was just 
so much better that it didn't matter that you didn't know because of the experience is just so awesome. Because I wouldn't know the difference. See, that's because I didn't play the first one. And I'm just like, this game is fucking incredible. And then I hear about... Because I thought the first one was incredible too. And then I hear about things like, oh yeah, you only have one gun clip for an entire dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? So Yeah, when that when I was experiencing that, you know, my first time playing Persona 5, I was just like, nah, I just want to use the gun then. Yeah. You know? The guns are so important. That, yeah, well, they can be in Royal, but they fucking weren't in the original game. Uh, all right. Yeah, back to the topic at hand. Which what is, What would you give Final Fantasy Tactics on our fish scale? I think four is the most representative. You know, like yeah. it's possibly one of the best video game stories that exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can get your head around it. Yes. Um, and like we were saying, the gameplay. Also, once you get a, get your head around it, like it's so. I think this game is pretty uh, divisive. It's pretty um, shit. I've been this has been happening to me all day. I keep trying to think words. of specific words and <laughs> I just can't think of them. This is a very polarizing, a very yes. uh, no I just, divisive. No, I just said that. Uh, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean. It could go. It could go to either extreme. I think. Yeah. Like one day, like today, I'm saying it's a volatile. Four. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> like I think it's a four easy. Yeah, but I can, I can also see someone giving this I can also easily see it. It's exactly a how two. the world ends with you was. I could see someone loving that game and giving it a four or five. But for someone like you who just like couldn't get into its mechanics and its story was a little too out yeah. there, it ends up being a two. Exactly. And like control for me, that's like. And I think, and I think that's all you know, warranted and valid because underneath that two is still like this is a really good game. Mm. You just have to be able to get into it. Yeah. Um, and that and I that agree. all comes down to the individual. Yeah, I I agree. I I give it a four as well. I think there's so much here for someone who wants to get into it that it's people. It's considered a classic ge- hidden gem for a reason. Yeah. Um, the people who love it really love it. Um. Yeah. I think that kind of wraps that up. Pretty much. All right. Is there anything else you wanted to say? No, not really. Okay. Next time is uh, episode 100. Yeah. Should we uh, make our big announcement here? I guess so. Uh, I guess there's no really... Yeah. Might, might as, as well. well. Uh, Andrew and I kind of... We were the pioneers of the Game Sharks podcast. We, It was initially my idea. Andrew had his YouTube channel, Turtle, Turtle Sharks, Sharks, baby. Uh, and that's kind of where Game Sharks spun out of. But it was kind of my, my baby from the start. Um, and... We started at the beginning of 2020 before there was a pandemic. Yeah. We were getting together, recording in person, which recording in person here has been really fun. And yeah. It, it's a very different experience when you're doing this. Yeah. That that nine month mm-hmm. stretch where we were doing it every week and meeting up in person was some of the most fun I've had. Yeah. Just in general in the last five years. Uh, I started the podcast mainly to jumpstart because I'm, I'm, I love video games. I always have loved video games. But I had a lot of blind spots. I uh, I never really was able to discuss my feelings about video games in a comprehensive and critical way. Uh, so th- I started the podcast to kind of jumpstart that as something that's a big passion in my life. Um, times have changed. I'm a dad. I don't have a lot of free time. My toddler is almost two now and... The older she gets, the less free time I seem to be having. Um, and I'm I am making a personal choice to put more of my free time into taking care of my health and 
taking care of my daughter and uh you know just like improving my life and I we also play disc golf and I really want to mm-hmm. put more serious time into improving that skill which I need to be putting you know practice into my putting and my field work and stuff so I just haven't been playing a lot of video games if I'm lucky I'm the same way I get to play one to two hours a day and I'm currently cycling through three games and I'm not I don't know when I'm gonna finish any of them um I I need to save some funds I don't have the free money that I had to just kind of buy whatever game I wanted whenever I wanted uh, so I want to transition into being more of a person who has Game Pass and the new Sony subscription that's about to come out. And even, not, though, even though you ragged on it for so long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just think not having games day and date is a bit of a letdown. But that's the thing. If I transitioned into being someone who doesn't play games day and date because I don't have a podcast to talk about it yeah. on, then I will just wait until I can get it for free on my subscription service that I'm already paying for or wait until these games are on sale for 20 bucks. Um, and I guess that, that kind of, uh, that gets to it where we're going to end yeah. the game charge. Yeah. Podcast. I was just like, you just alluded to it, but you yeah. hadn't really set it up to this point. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah. we're capping it. We're going to call it quits at episode a hundred. I feel like that's a, a good spot. We've done it for a two little a over years. two years. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it wasn't already evident from, you know the re- the the frequency of our releases and maybe even some of the the energy in the last 10 to 15 maybe 20 yeah. episodes it's like we've we've been phoning it in a lot of times we've been doing episodes just cuz and then and then when we do them like i still have a lot of fun recording the episodes when we do do them you know yeah. it's i explained this to you the other day but i i like you am becoming incredibly more busy mm-hmm. with my life you know i have a girlfriend now um and we i spent a lot of time with her so i don't get a lot of time to play as many video games as i'd like and i'm trying i'm doing more more things in my free time that i wasn't doing before um i've been trying to get way more into D D. um and so i'm trying to work on campaigns that you know that i'm writing myself i'm trying to get into i've been watching a lot more movies i've been watching a lot of tv um and that's just my hobbies you know and, mm. and like you i'm trying to improve my health and, and and stuff like that so uh i've been taking a lot more time to just sit and do nothing you know which is good for you it is good for me uh so haven't had a lot of time to to play video games recently elden ring for example i made this huge deal of of building this this man cave space which is which has been working out really well for me but the big thing was like i got this 4k like oled tv thanks Jin. and yeah thank you Jin. shout out to the international bank of Jin. Um, and I, I kept saying like the first thing I'm going to do when I get that TV is buy Elden Ring and play the shit out of it. And I have put less than 10 hours into Elden Ring in the last month since yeah. its release. Um, not necessarily, not necessarily because I don't want to play it, but it's just that I haven't had the time to sit down and really, you know, get into it. And it's like, I, I haven't, maybe it's just that Elden Ring is the wrong game mm. to, to be in the, in that headspace right now. Like if I were playing something like, horizon right now very focused like i can uh, look at that game at any time and say i know something that i can do at this very moment but with elden ring it's a lot of postulating and saying like where should i go maybe i'll wander around for two hours and then die to a random enemy and then shut it off you know and it's like (laughs) there's a time for that but 
I, it's not, that's not the time that I want to be having right now in my life. Uh, and since I want that to be the game that I'm going to play, like going forward, I really like, I want to still see what the hype is about. And I, yeah. I love the souls games and I love, uh, what Elden Ring has shown me so far, but I am saving, I'm like spending my money on other things, not spending my money so much on games, uh, anymore. Um, so I'm trying to ride Elden Ring out essentially until the end of the year. So, yeah. Um, but even beside all that, you know, the last, so, so any, to get to the point I was trying to make, I go through this, these phases, which I call 90%, 10%, where 90% of the time I am like, you know, if the pod, if we'd never did another podcast again, I'd be cool with that. You know, I don't really play a lot of games. Uh, I, I could live without it, but the 10% of the time when we're in the moment right now, Mm -hmm. when we're recording a podcast together, you, me, Adam and Tcon and Derek, like I just have so much fun. I love yeah. it so much, I and agree. it gets me so excited to play video games. After the last, after the Elden Ring episode, I immediately went and played two hours of Elden Ring, which is not something I had done. I think in the two weeks of, before that, I think four out of five of us immediately went and played at least an hour of Elden Ring. Yeah, it's like episode. it just gets me so excited. When you were talking about Tunic on the podcast, oh, I'm like, I downloaded so Tunic, and I'm I was like, yeah, I'll do this. I'm like, I'm so into that idea, but then I just ha- I haven't, haven't touched it. Yeah. And it's just, you know, based on how my life has gone. Yeah, I agree entirely. I, I do love doing the podcast. It has brought me great joy over the last two plus years. Um, but our lives have changed and it just doesn't make sense anymore. And when doing the podcast and buying the games um, and finding the time, making sacrifices of doing other things to find the time to play the games mm-hmm. um, just becomes a financial and physical and mental toll then the podcast becomes more of a burden than it's worth yeah um so and and the other the other guys have have kind of always been this busy i think yeah Derek you know. is probably one of the most busy among us it's hard to lock him down um adam has been in grad school this whole time yeah uh yeah Tcon, guy with a full-time job trying to buy a house it's not easy uh and this is none of our professions it's always been a hobby um but yeah, episode 100, we're going to go out with a bang. We're going to talk about our favorite moments in the po- uh, history of the podcast. Maybe we'll do some Game Sharks trivia. Um, it'll be a lighthearted, fun send-off yeah. to uh, this cool show. And we'll always have it. And maybe in 20 years, I'll go back and listen to all these episodes about my grand adventure and talking about podcasts with some of my best friends. Yeah. And who knows? maybe we will hop in hop on the mics you know two to three times a year and talk about stuff like you know predict like i loved i like doing stuff like the predictions and i like doing fantasy critic even though this year doesn't exist um (laughs) i have already won and it is only march and i have already lost (laughs) and i lost in january yeah there i think breath of the wild 2 getting delayed till next year kind of puts the nail in the coffin of me definitively winning but yeah, and to that end, maybe if maybe once Breath of the Wild two comes out, you know some of these other big game releases like Hollow Knight, Silk Song, God of War, Ragnarok, yeah, like we can come back, you know, every once in a while. It'll be a lot easier to schedule, you know, the four or five of us to say, hey, you guys want to get together in a, in a month when this game comes out, and in person instead of all right, do you guys want to be free every Thursday for the next year for the rest of your life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. So who knows? Maybe this feed will still be active sporadically 
So keep yourself subscribed if you are all 17 of you. I appreciate you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of wraps us up. We'll see you totally. at some point. Uh, we'll probably wait to do our final episode in person. Might yeah, as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Hopefully, we can get Tikan to make the travel because he lives far away. Um, but yeah, I do believe with that, we are Finn.